kindergarten through fifth grade only. Are you glad you're here today? Glad you came for that. That was fun, wasn't it? Uh, a couple things I want to talk about that that represents and reflects. This day represents and reflects to us. Number one, our kids matter to us. We, we love them. We love that we get to serve them. We love that we have so many of them, that they are enthusiastic. I think they got some cookies or something between the first and second service because they had like some, they had some power at the second one here. And uh, we were glad for that. So uh, I'm glad that you are here and got to enjoy that with us. But our kids matter to us. It's why we pour into them. We think they are our precious and treasures to us. And uh, we are grateful for the opportunity God gives to us about that. I'm grateful for the fact that the message that they shared is so simple and so plain and so straightforward. I'm going to pick up on that in just a minute and share some thoughts with you before we go today. I want to say, church family, Merry Christmas to you. It has been fun celebrating Christmas as we've gone through this month. And next week is Christmas Day on, on Sunday morning. So we would love to have any and all of you join us for an hour on Christmas. We're going to sing Christmas carols. We're going to read the Christmas story. We're going to have some special music. I'm going to talk for just about five minutes. And uh, we're just going to carve out an hour, whether you join us for our 830 service or a 10 a.m. service, uh, to do that, to just celebrate Jesus on the day that we celebrate his birth. So we would love for you to join us. If you don't have somewhere to go, we would love for you to be a part of that. Uh, you would certainly be welcome. And if this is the only day that you are visiting with us, we love that you are here today. And we thank you for that. We appreciate that. We actually have a gift for you that I would love for you to get before you leave. Just through these doors, there's our guest center. Make sure you check in before you go today so that we can know you are here, so that we can follow up to find out if there's some way we can serve you. Uh, I also want to mention that if you don't make it there, right at the back, down the, the center aisle here, there are some cards that are for prayer requests. So if you have something you want our prayer team, we have dozens of people on our prayer team. If you have something you want our prayer team to pray for, Fill out that card, drop it in that offering slot there. Uh, if you're a guest, that offering is not for you to put money in, but if you have a prayer request, put that in. The offering's for those who are a part of hope to give as God's directed. Uh, but we'd love to pray for whatever your need is, uh, so you can let us know about that back there uh, at the end of the service today. Uh, Christmas Sunday next week, we're looking forward to it, but today we are gonna continue talking about why Christmas is good news. And I have this awesome privilege today of reminding you or maybe telling you for the first time in this way why Christmas is such a big deal, why it is such great, great news. Let me begin by asking how many of you are all done your shopping for Christmas? How many people are all done shopping? Look at all these overachievers. Aren't you glad they're a part of our church, right? They get that stuff done early. They've got it all set. The rest of you, I'm not trying to put shame on you or anything. But I know you're living in some stress right now because Christmas is a week away. And maybe it's not your fault. Like maybe you've ordered something on Amazon and it doesn't, it's like the window of time is it could come in time, but it might not come in time. It might come a little bit late or something. And maybe, or maybe you tried to get some, some gifts and they just weren't available I think to about a month ago, I know a lot of people about a month ago were looking to get a Christmas gift and it kind of blew up in their face. Uh, it's when Taylor Swift decided she was going to have a world tour and she put tickets out. Did anybody try to get tickets the first couple of days? Yeah. And the whole site crashed, right? So, and then they, they like, oh, we got it. We got it. We'll start it again the next day with a different pre-sale. And then it crashed again. And then it was like, this is a whole big mess. I just think if you call yourself ticket master, that should never be a thing, right? Like... 
Like, don't maybe call yourself ticket maybe or something, you know, like <laughs> be a little more honest in your advertising about what's going on here. But here's the truth. Even if there were no technical problems at all with Ticketmaster, the reality is that there would still be a limit on how many people could be invited in, how many people could buy tickets. There's a limited number of seats, right? The great news about Christmas is that it is not limited at all. It is an unlimited invitation. We've been talking about truly good news. The fact that the Christmas story proves that God is real. He came, so he is real. And it teaches us that God is relational. We discussed those things in the last couple of weeks. Today, I want to talk about how big this good news is, how great it is. And I pray that as we go from this day, that we will have embraced the news for ourselves, if, if that's up for grabs for any of us or however many of us it is. But for those of us that believe this truth to the core of our soul, that we will let this truth hit us. This is the great news of Christmas, in part because, unlike Ticketmaster, the good news is good enough to include everyone who wants in. Everyone. It's like Christmas cries out, who wants life? Who wants peace? Who wants healing? Who wants forgiveness? Who wants hope? Who wants joy? Just who? Who wants it? You can have it. You're in. You can be a part of it too. The invitation is wide open. What I know is this. We get into Christmas season and we get a little romantic and we get a little nostalgic and whatever, but real life is still real life. And every single one of us are living out a working theory of how to get those things. Hope and peace and joy and love. Every single one of us, whether we're conscious of it or not, whether we've been successful at it or not, we are working out a theory of how to make life work. Some of us think that relationships are the answer. Christmas is all about relationships. It's all about family. It's all about friends. It's all about love. And so if I can have my relationships, and so we, we pour into these things, and we, we hope that if my, if my marriage was just better, or if I was married, maybe, or if I was single, maybe, or if, I, if I, my kids did the right things, or if my kids would talk to me, or like relationships are going to save me. So we put a lot of weight into that. We, we, we chase those things down. Other people function like their career is the path to where they want to be. Career trumps everything. My job demands trump everything. And so I'm chasing and chasing because if I can get to some level in my career, then I'll be okay. Then I'll know that I've been a success. Then I'll know that I'm secure in my life and I can have peace and rest. And yet you don't realize how you're patterning into your life this chasing that never ends. Some believe that if they could just have their desires. If, if I could, what I can imagine, if it could just be like that, then I would be okay. Then I would be full of peace and full of life and full of hope. And the list goes on. We just, we try, we work it out. Christians, you too. Just because maybe you think you got it all straight in your head doesn't mean that you don't function or live out a different gospel than the gospel of Christmas. You can tell because your life gets real stressed out, sleepless nights and angsty days and all kinds of medical problems that come out from not living like there is an answer to these things. The good news of Christmas is this. Jesus came because what we're chasing is what he came to give us. All of us need these things. As a matter of fact, you were created for these. Did you know you were created to live with hope, with peace, 
You were created to live. That's why you can't get away from it. You can't run away from these desires, these needs inside of your soul. You chase them because we were created to experience them, but none of us will ever achieve them on our own. The good news of Christmas is that Jesus came so he could give his life so that anyone who wants them, anyone who's willing to receive them, could have them. Anyone who would come and put their faith and trust in Jesus, who would follow Jesus with their life, without limit, the invitation is wide open. It is unlimited. So I'm going to go to one of the verses that the kids spoke about, and it's a very familiar verse. We're going to look at a few verses. We're going to look at four verses in John chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to go to John chapter 3. If you don't have your Bible, we'll put the words up here so you'll be able to, to follow along as you read. These are really famous words, maybe the most famous words in all of the Bible. And many people believe that these are words Jesus spoke. Um, that, that's certainly possible. It's a little unclear whether this is John's commentary after what Jesus says, but it's, a, it's in a conversation Jesus is having with Nicodemus. And as he's talking about Nicodemus, he says things like being born again, which is a, a euphemism for becoming a child of God, a spiritual rebirth. He talks about, right before this, he talks about being lifted up. If the Son of Man, it's a title Jesus uses for himself a lot. The Son of Man is lifted up. Talking about, as we understand in the context of the New Testament, Jesus going to a cross and giving his life. So we have this whole story around Christmas this whole story around the coming of Jesus. As a matter of fact, even just a couple chapters, this is only chapter three of John. So in chapter one of John, we see that we, we read this a few weeks ago about Jesus coming to bring light and life. At the end of that chapter, John the apostle writes that John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of God pointing at Jesus who takes away the sin of the world. So there's this context of what we read today, but it's summed up so beautifully in this verse. It, really summarizes what Christmas is about, why it's even a thing. And it says it like this in John chapter three, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, you see the wide open invitation there? Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Here we get, in a few short words, an explanation for Christmas. What John says is Jesus showing up on this earth is a demonstration and a direct result of God's love for us. It means that the God who created the world by speaking decided to leave his throne, his majesty, his glory, his perfection, and be born as a baby to live a life that you and I are very familiar with. There's a lot of ways. If you're the God of the universe, you can show up anyhow you want, right? He decided to be born a baby, helpless, dependent, vulnerable. Some of the marvel of Christmas is that God would choose that to show us his love. Isn't that amazing? When we marvel about Christmas, when we set our minds on what Christmas is, that's where we start but that's not what John emphasizes in this verse. What John emphasizes in this verse is the intensity of God's love for us. He emphasizes it by saying what it produced, but he emphasizes by saying God gave up, gave away 
His only son. There's some challenges in translating the Greek word that we have there for the one and only or the only begotten in the old King James. But the emphasis certainly is this. God sent his only son for you. To marvel at this love that he has for us, that he sent his son, his only son. I mean, who does that? Who sends their son on a mission of sacrifice for someone else? Who does that? And if you, as you recognize that God as the triune God, Father, Son, Spirit, that God himself came to sacrifice himself for me. This is the emphasis of that verse, that God had a passion for people who were lost. People who had made a mess of their, does anybody qualify? People who've made a mess in their life. God came for them. And he sent, he sent his son. It's like he gave up his son. He sent him on a mission knowing that he was laying that life down. This is good news because what it means is this, that God loves even people who rebel against him. Maybe your life has become a series of not explicit, but maybe implied rebellions against God. I'm not going to do it God's way. I'm not going to walk and do what I think is right or what people tell me is right. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. A rebellion against God. You know what? That's rebellion and God loves you and came to save you. Isn't that great? This is the God that shows up at Christmas. God loves people who hate him. God loves people who don't even believe he exists and comes for them anyway. This is the marvel of Christmas. This is how we just stand amazed at it. For those who can't seem to get out of their own way, for those who can't stop doing what is hurting themselves and hurting others, God loves you anyway. It is not a quiz. It is not a test. It is not a grade that you get, whether you've done well enough or not to be qualified for God's love. He loves you not because of you. He loves you because of him, because of who he is, because God himself is love. And because of that, the invitation is unconditional and wide open. You don't have to earn it. You are offered it because of the faithfulness and goodness of God. And what it means is that you don't have to measure yourself against other people to see how, you, how well you qualify. You know how like measuring yourself against other people is exhausting? Like even if you came in today and you decided I'm going to measure, decide where I fit in this whole social scene here. Am I dressed better? Am I, do I look like I have my act together more or less or whatever? Man, that's exhausting. But the, but the birth of Jesus says you can get rid of all that. You can dispense with all of that. Because the invitation is unconditional. It's for anyone who comes, for anyone who believes. The invitation is wide open because God loves the world. More than that, his invitation reflects his personal love. Sometimes we talk about God loving the world, it feels very impersonal. God loves everybody. Let me make it more personal. And the point of John here is this. God loves you. God has a passion for you personally. It's not a mistake that you're here today that you're sitting in the seat you're sitting in. God has you here because he wants you to know you matter enough for him to come on a mission to find you and save you. That is amazing. Most ideas about a deity are about us trying to find them. 
But God comes to find us. As a matter of fact, Jesus tells some stories in New Testament about how someone loses something of value and they leave the other stuff that they already know where it is and they go find the lost one. And that story is about you. That God comes to find the lost ones and bring them home, bring them back. That was a shocking thing to the first century Jewish people. They kind of understood that God loved them and God came after them. Their whole history is a story of them rejecting and rebelling against God and God coming after him and coming after him and coming after him. But they also kind of assumed that God loved them because they were them. And other people who weren't them, God doesn't love. This is kind of what religious people do today too, right? They try to like decide who's in and who's not in. Let me tell you, nobody gets to decide if you're in or out except the one who came on Christmas to die for you. That's the one who gets to decide. You don't have to listen to anybody else's opinion of whether you're in or out, but there's one that can tell you. He's the one who came to save you. That same mind-blowing message to the first century is still the same mind-blowing message today. Anyone who comes, and it's not for the people who have their act together, who know the right words to say when they pray, who read their Bible often enough. It's for anyone. And as a matter of fact, the emphasis in Jesus' story is he came for the losers. He came for the mess-ups. He came for those who were broken, those who were, were he uses pictures talking about people that were burnt up, that were, that were fried to a crisp, people that were wounded beyond description, people who were weird, people who were rejected, people who were outsiders. He didn't come for people who thought they had it together enough that God somehow would like, okay, you're good enough, I'll help you the rest of the way. He came for people who were convinced they, they couldn't even take the first step. That's how big God's love is love is. And that's how wide open the invitation is. The problem is serious. The problem is that they will perish. Whoever believes in him will not perish. Meaning that if we didn't believe in him, there's a perishing. We all get that. Death is a part of life, right? Some of us have lost loved ones this year. And this Christmas is difficult for us because we walk through it with an empty space in our heart and and around our table. Death is unimaginably hard. It is a part of this life, but it is just a, a taste of what it means to be lost. And did you know that death is not actually, was, was not originally part of the plan for us? Did you know God specifically warned mankind so that we wouldn't face death? Don't do this so you don't die. You know what we chose to do immediately after that? That. And we continue to choose what brings death into our life. God did not create us to die. He did not create us to have a broken relationship with him, but we chose it and keep choosing it. And so Jesus came to save us from the mess we made ourselves and keep making, from the the biggest and most hopeless realities of life, loss, devastation, destruction, pain, failure, good news of Christmas is that the invitation is wide open to come and find life. The solution that we were given was not to try harder, to clean yourself up as much as you could, to try to to put on a good show. No, The, the good news of Christmas was it starts by admitting we are the problem, not the solution, right? Instead, the only solution big enough to save anyone was God himself coming to rescue us. It's why we hear the word Emmanuel around Christmas time. It's one of the things that the kids said, Emmanuel. Isaiah labels the Messiah 
Emmanuel. Matthew records that same word in relation to Jesus' birth in Matthew 1, Emmanuel. It is a Hebrew, it's actually three Hebrew words, Emma, with, new, us, El, God, God with us. The label that was put on the Messiah was that God was coming to be with us so he could save us. That's the good news of Christmas, people. That's why we celebrate. But the, the, the summary goes on from there in verse 17 and 18. It says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Here's the good news. Jesus did not come to condemn, but to save. Isn't that good news? He had every right to condemn. A bunch of messes, right? Like, that's it, you're done. I'm done with you. You've blown it, you, you've wrecked it, you've twisted it up, you've thrown away every opportunity. That's it, I've had it, I'm done with you. Sometimes we get like that with ourselves, don't we? But what God came to do, not to condemn the world, because we were already condemned. But Jesus says, I didn't come because I wanted to judge you, because I wanted to doom you. What I came to do was take that judgment on myself. Because one day we will be judged. One day when this life is over, we will stand in front of our judge and we will be judged and we will all deserve doom but for the grace of God. And that grace comes through Jesus Christ. That, that grace poured out on us is what showed up at Christmas. It is offered to every single person. And I'm just going to tell you, maybe people, sometimes I, I talk to people uh, when I, in, in my younger years and people that were like, I, I want to live, I want to have some fun, I want to do my thing, and maybe later on I'll figure out this God stuff. They would say to me, listen, I would rather have a party in hell than have to sing on a cloud in heaven. Be like, man, you just have no idea. You have no idea. The reality is this. We already face some of the doom in this life. We get tastes of it. The fallenness of this world affects us. You know where it is? In everything that breaks your heart. In everything that hurts. In every loss that you suffer. It is a reflection of the fallenness and the doom that we face. It's just a taste of it. And nobody wants that. And Jesus doesn't want it for you. Inside of us, we know this is not what we are made for. It's not what we want it to be. Maybe, maybe we've given up on hope because it, life just beats it out of us. But the dissonance between what I, what I was created to experience and what's actually happening is that dissonance of what means to be condemned already. Living under the curse, living in the loss, doomed. These words, condemned already, refer to a very simple truth, and it is an absolute truth. Rejecting our creator has some predicted and devastating consequences for us all. Things like loss, disease, addiction, woundedness. Like These are things that we live with in this life that are a reflection of condemned already. Jesus says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He's not saying he won't judge the world. He's saying when he came, he didn't come to judge the world. He came to save. 
He came to give his life. And who's invited in? Here it is in verse 17 and verse 18. Verse 18. Whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him. This is a salvation every single one of us needs, not just from the circumstances of our world, but from our own self-righteousness and our own fallenness inside of us. Every single one of us, no matter what label you want to put on yourself, needs this salvation. But he says in verse 18, not everybody takes it. So the reason I'm talking to you today is because some of, many of you have believed in this and given your life to it. I'm not sure we're totally living in it, right? But some of us have it. And you're here today because God wants to invite you in. It's something you do in your soul. It's not something you do out loud necessarily. It's not something you do through a certain set of words. or It's something you do by coming to Jesus by faith. Following him and trusting him. And what he says is, whoever does not believe is condemned already. It's that contrast. That has consequences. Why would anybody choose to stay in their doom. Here's why. Because they keep trying to convince themselves that they can save themselves. They can fix their own life. Maybe you think God isn't inviting you, so you have to. That's what I'm trying to clear up for you today. That's not the way it is, right? Christian, maybe you think God saved you and that was the end of the story of his work. Now you've got to figure it out. Still wrong. You're still not the savior of you. You still need Jesus to rescue you from you. Every time you take your life into your hands and live it out by your ideas and your strength, what happens? The same mess that happened before, right? What we need to do is step into the saving power of the one who came on Christmas, right? But many people reject Jesus as Savior at all because they think, I want my life to be fixed the way I want to fix it. I'm going to do it. Think about that for a second. If it were possible, Jesus was foolish to leave heaven, to die and rise again, to save people who could, with enough time and effort and energy and sincerity, save themselves. Why would Jesus come? It's not possible. And God's love wouldn't leave it undone. Some of us think, and some of us as believers still think this, I'm going to put my life on a scale and I'm going to outweigh my bad with my good and I'm going to try to pile up enough good to outweigh my... It's still not the course, folks. There's no amount of good that can offset the bad. You come to a Savior to wash you clean. You repent from that stuff and turn from it and put your life in his hands by faith. You don't clean yourself up. You don't fix yourself up. You come and let God transform you by the power of the saving grace of Jesus. And so verse 19, it just kind of puts this choice out there and he uses the, the euphemism that we've seen before in the book of John of, of light coming into the world. Verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. This idea of Jesus coming to the world, light coming into the world, light and life was in him in John chapter one. John writes this down to show us that God made some choices that were great for us. He chose to make us. How many of you had a vote in whether or not you showed up? Yeah, nobody asked you, right? You just, here I am. How, many, how much did you pay to be alive today? Is a priceless gift that God just gives, isn't it? Out of his 
goodness and his graciousness. He chose to make us. He chose to give us life. He chose to give us this day. And then he chose to come and save us from our sin, to rescue us from judgment. He, come to t- he came to take our punishment on himself so that we could be forgiven. That is the gospel. That's why Christmas is good news. And it applies and is open to everyone. Now, what verse 19 reminds us is we have a choice. How are we going to respond to the light? Are we going to come into the light? Are we going to retreat into the darkness? Are we going to come where life comes through light? Or are we going to choose the darkness and the death that it brings? I will tell you, as counterintuitive as it feels in thinking about it like this, the reality is it's natural for people to believe that darkness saves us. Let me just put this on the table because I think there's some, some practical help for you here too in, in your life and relationships and all kinds of things. There's some freedom here that maybe we haven't experienced that God wants to, to let us experience this day. We all naturally believe that darkness is going to save us. So when you were a little kid and your mom told you you weren't allowed to have any cookies before dinner and you went and you took a cookie anyway, most of us did one thing to not get in trouble about that. We hit it, right? We lied. We didn't, we didn't expose the truth because it is natural for us to believe that darkness saves us. Keeping it hidden. No one can see it. It must be okay if no one can see it. But darkness is not a solution. It covers the problem without solving it. It leaves it lying there ready to bring its consequences to us. Instead of dealing with it in the light, it is hard because it takes faith to bring a problem into the light. Some of our relationships, we just keep sweeping things into the darkness, hoping that the darkness will save us. It won't. Some of us are holding secrets because we believe the secret keeps us safe when the secret destroys us. And I've seen it in relationships. Believing in Jesus involves believing in the light instead of trusting in the darkness. We don't try to hide ourselves or present ourselves in some kind of way that tells other people we got our stuff together. We come as real people with real issues and real problems. We bring them into the light, trusting that our Savior is great enough and good enough to rescue us again and again and again. And by the way, he says there, men love darkness because their deeds are evil. Some of us like dark deeds. We think that dark deeds are going to be the hope for our life, the, the way to joy. This is the pathway. If I do what I know is wrong, but it's still going to bring. Let's tell you from experience, from the word of God, from all of our collective experience, you can't be selfish enough and you can't pursue your desires hard enough to find life and light. The only reason we per- prefer deeds of darkness because we don't see them. We don't see what they produce. We don't see the devastation and the death. We, we disconnect it. It's one of the enemy's great tricks in darkness is to say, well, that's not happening because of that, when that's exactly why that's happening. If you did see, you'd be horrified at what those deeds of darkness are doing to you and where they're taking you. So you're here today, and I get to be the one to remind you on behalf of God. God wants you to know that he loves you and that the invitation to receive his love to receive life, to be his, to walk in his power is unlimited. It includes you, even if you can think of a thousand reasons that it shouldn't, it does anyway. So maybe your response to this today is to receive that salvation.
to receive it by grace through faith. In just a minute, I'm gonna close in prayer. And when I close, you can pray. You can say, God, I want that salvation through Jesus Christ. I don't know much about it, but I want it. Show me how to, show me how to live by faith alive in you. Show me how to be your child. If you want help with that, I'm up here at the end of the service. Come talk to me. We can set up a time to talk. We can talk today. I can introduce you to the greatest Savior that ever is. Maybe that's your response today. Maybe your response today is to come back to the one who saved you because somewhere along the way, you forgot about his love and his grace. Life has gotten heavy and hard because you're straining under the weight of trying to save yourself, trying to fix your own life. And you forgot that you never were able to in the first place. And you need to come back to a faith that saves you. Maybe today that's your response. Maybe today your response is this. Christmas has, for a lot of time, been all about the the wonderful celebration of Christmas and all the plans that you're making. And somewhere along the way, you forgot that God came to rescue people and that that invitation is wide open and you've been acting like nobody else needs to come. The good news is still the good news. And we are still his ambassadors making God's appeal on his behalf to be reconciled to God. Maybe your response is, Lord, give me a chance. Give me some chances to share this wonderful news. Jesus came on a mission to bring that light to the world. I want to be on Jesus' mission. Maybe this week I could be on his mission. Would you let me do that, Lord? Would you show me? I bet you God would. I bet you would. So whatever your response is today, we're going to entrust it to him because the invitation of Christmas is unlimited and we get to respond to it. I pray that we will respond to it today. So let's put this in the Lord's hand. Would you pray with me as we close our service this morning? Let's pray. Father, we give you these things. There are any in this room or for every person in this room that doesn't know you, Father, I pray that in this moment you would show them how to put their faith in you, how to come with sincere and earnest faith and to find the forgiving, saving power of Jesus in their life in this moment. Father, for believers who have walked away, believers who didn't even realize that they were trying to live as their own Savior and you're calling to them, I pray that you would help them to surrender afresh and anew in this moment to you. And for all of us as believers that don't take the opportunities that you give us, we don't take the passion that you came to show us about sharing this news with the world, Father, I pray that you would stir it inside of us and use us as light in this world to share the real good news about Christmas. Remembering that this invitation on purpose is unlimited. It is to everyone we see. Even the people we think are disqualified or too far away or would never say yes. Father, the invitation is to them too. And you give us the opportunity to make it. So I pray, Father, that in your goodness and your power and your grace, you would do this work, all of these things, according to your purpose for your kingdom. We put these things in your hand. We put our trust in you. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Merry Christmas.